Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Man, I'm excited um, for Sunday. Do you guys get? Do you guys love Sundays? I, I, I hope you do. Like, I get pumped for Sunday. I get, I get pumped to see the family, to hang out with everybody, to, uh, to lean into what God's going to do with us together, you know? I, I think I've mentioned this before, but, you know, in the Bible, God speaks of two different ways that we are the temple of God, right? In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, uh, the temple was a physical building, and God chose to kind of manifest his presence inside of a temple, but God no longer lives in temples built by human hands, the Bible says, right? God lives in you and me. But the Bible will talk about that as an individual, as an I am the temple and you are the temple. But the Bible also speaks to us, right, that we are being built up together as the house of God, as the temple of God. So that is why there is something unique about actually being together as believers, because some people might be like, man, do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Well, I mean, no, technically, because Jesus is what makes you a Christian. It's what gives you access to heaven. It's what helps you escape judgment is the grace of Jesus. But God has so much more for you than just a get-out-of-hell-free card, right? Come on. He's got life. He's got life to the full. And this happens, heaven on earth happens together in a collective. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, I'm going to get into a fun series here. First of all, uh, shout out to all the dads who took their sons, their young emerge sons. To, uh, to Who here had, a, had a, a young son they went out with to emerge? Okay, down here, a couple guys up top. There we go. How amazing was it? Was it good? Was it amazing? Uh, I... Uh, well, you guys were building fires, what up? My girls were producing rap videos. So two very different experiences over the weekend. Uh, so uh, I love seeing that, though, and uh, just the, 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 the courage. Most of, if not all, of life's issues in the planet we're experiencing right now could be solved by what just happened the last couple of days at Emerge Junior. Literally... Almost every issue we face in life is because of the, the breakdown of masculinity, the breakdown of men knowing how to be a man, of men being mentored by other great godly men, right? And the beautiful thing is no matter what your upbringing was, whether you had a great dad or you had no dad, things can turn around in one generation by being making a decision, I'm going to raise up my kids in the house of the Lord differently. And your kids, just like I grew up differently than my dad did. My dad grew up in a very dysfunctional home. He could have been all the stats, you know, that, that could have been, but he shifted everything 
made a decision to respond to Christ and raise his kids differently. And so I grew up in a world where I was loved by my heavenly father and my earthly father. I grew up in a world where I was valued and spoke life over and believed in and disciplined as well as encouraged. I grew up in a different atmosphere because my dad chose to change everything for his generation. So no matter what your life was, everything begins to change. And little by little, we can transform culture by restoring men to their place. This is, I've kind of taken two truth bomb tangents, but none about my message. Okay. We're going to try to go after it. Uh, I, I shared on social media. If you don't follow me, that's okay. Uh, you're probably fasting and seeking the Lord and not want to be distracted uh, by social media. Otherwise, I mean, I can't imagine you wouldn't be following me. But anyways... I, uh, <laughs> I, I shared about what I'm going to teach on today. And, uh, you, you know, if, if you've ever, you know, tried to speak up in the world that we live in today, especially as a Christian, a lot of times you get met with comments on social or with friends like, hey, why are you judging? Why are you so judgy? You know, why are you a judgy McJudgerson? You know what I mean? Why are you like that? And then usually they find out you're a Christian, or if they know you're a Christian, like, hey, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to judge people. Hey, I thought Jesus said, don't judge people. And uh, sometimes you might, you might know the answer to that, and some you may be, like, uh, stunned by that. You're like, oh, shoot, yeah, I guess maybe Christians aren't supposed to judge. Maybe, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I, I should shift what I'm saying. Maybe I'm not supposed to speak up. Maybe I should be silent, right? And there can be a lot of confusion, and the world wants to do everything it can to get this whole room to not talk because of fear of being judgy. And nobody likes that. It's like being called a racist. Oh, well, I'm going to do everything I can to avoid you giving me the racist label, right? Judging is the same thing. Like, oh, man, Christians are, well, I know, I'm not judgmental. I'm not really like that. I don't really. And we try to dodge it and avoid it like the plague. But I'm telling you what, that we need to not look to the world for how to interpret what Jesus is saying to us, right? So let me read um, the verse in a second here that everybody uses. And today, here's what I want to do. I want to give a biblical response to this kind of indictment towards Christianity that we shouldn't judge because Jesus said not to judge. I want to give us biblical proof why that's off, but not just so that we all can walk out of here going, all right, I'm ready to judge some people. <laughs> it's actually for the opposite, so that we can walk out of this room and love people well, okay? So here's the main verse, Matthew 7, verse 1. I'm going to read in the NIV because it kind of is sort of what you hear a version of. Jesus is talking. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Or, you know, kind of the people like to quote the old school, like judge not lest ye be judged, right? But basically this phrase, so if you take it just like this, you're like, whoa, that's kind of a closed case. Jesus said don't judge. I guess all the critics are right. I shouldn't judge. But the truth is, if you read that verse and think that that means Jesus is saying you should never speak up or condemn uh, an action or a decision or a sin or an issue in culture, then it's probably because uh, you are not 
you, you're listening to the world more than you're reading God's word, okay? And I, I don't mean this to kind of be like, you know, I'm going to drop a couple zingers on you. But the truth is, if you read the Bible, you cannot come to the conclusion that Jesus is saying, never speak against anything negative, right? Like, never speak against sin, never call out sin. You could not think that because the whole Bible is full of God bringing truth and principles and then people judging what is right and what is wrong, walking out truth and and deciding, hey, I'm going to do this and not do this. Uh, walk with the wise, you grow wise, the Bible says, a companion of fools suffers harm. There's no way to make that decision without judging. How, how am I supposed to determine what a fool is and that I shouldn't be a companion with them unless I have a way to discern or to judge right and wrong? The whole Bible is, is full of this reality, yet, of course, you know, like everything, the world wants to take the Bible out of context, which is just like their father, Satan, who tried to bring the Bible out of context to Jesus. He kept bringing these things to Jesus, and the Bible says, and don't you know that the word says this, and Jesus had to bring context to what Satan was saying to override the lie distorting of God's word. And, and what you're about to find out is that this chapter, it starts off with judge not or you, or you too will be judged. Literally, the rest of the chapter is teaching you how to judge. So there's something off here in people's interpretation of what Jesus is saying. Okay, It's literally God is saying, hey, I, I'm about to teach you how to judge well or judge accurately. Let me read uh, that same couple verses in Matthew 7, 1 and 2 in the Amplified because Amplified will kind of dig out a little bit of a, a broader meaning for us in the, in the context of those verses because, you know, as we know, we do our best to translate from the original Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic straight to English. Um, but there's going to be sometimes, you know, you don't have... One word doesn't completely encapsulate all the t- always what the other word was. So in the Amplified, it gives you several words that this verse is speaking about. So it kind of brings color to it. Uh, it says this. This will bring, I think, some more clarity to what Jesus is saying. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteous superiority as though assuming the office of a judge. So that you will not be judged unfairly. For just as you hypocritically judge others when you are sinful and unrepentant, so will you be judged. And in accordance with your standard of measure you use to pass out judgment, judgment will be measured to you. So does that bring a little bit more context to what Jesus is actually trying to get across here? It's not saying never say something is wrong. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's never saying, hey, don't tell anyone they're wrong because that's judgy. No, actually, he's saying, what kind of spirit are we speaking about it in? And we know that the world we live in right now, it's a bit of this don't judge me slippery slope because we kind of started with, of course, years back, um, you know, 
I mean, there's ebbs and flows all throughout human history of civilizations that rise and fall, civilizations that honor God and, and reject God. Of course, as, a, as American culture, we're in many of those different cycles. But uh, at the beginning, it's things like this. God is my judge, right? And make that statement. You try to judge them, they say, hey, God's my judge. Then it moves to um, Jesus said, don't judge. Then it says, then it moves to you can't judge me. Then it's no one can judge me. Then it is there is no standard of right and wrong, so you can't judge me. Right? There, there's a slide of morality that's happening here to get to a place where we try to get everybody to believe that if they ever say anything wrong, they are wrong, and that's judgmental. When that is never what God said, it's never what Jesus intended, and it's not helpful to our culture. But what the, the oftentimes people are really saying is, and we say this in simple or extreme ways, is I don't want you to tell me that I'm wrong. That's really what's going on here. When somebody confronts you and your reaction is don't judge me, it's going, I don't want to be told that what I am choosing is wrong, Right? That's why oftentimes people go to great lengths to try to justify things like evolution, right? Or even being an atheist. They're trying to manufacture some other version of their reality other than I have a heavenly father that I am accountable to for my choices, right? And if there is a God, then I am not him, and therefore I must respond and respect what he wants in my life. So that's why even, even with all the scientific advancement now to, to blatantly under, understand there is no way we came from an evolutionary process. It is literally impossible. People are still going to cling on to it because it's their only way of being able to justify that they don't have to be accountable to people, right? And even, the, you know, even, that's why even too they use things like billions and billions, because you're trying to disassociate yourself from it with time and space, right? Or even, uh, I think, you know, some of the top atheists, you know, had to finally admit, well, life had to start from something, right? And then it evolved. But even if you took that idea, and then you say, well, where did that life come from? Literally, one of their, the top atheist answers was, well, an alien being from another universe seeded life form on this planet. You're like, oh, my Lord. Like, I mean, like, just believe the Bible. It's just, it's the most logical explanation for our existence. This is true. It's the only thing that makes sense. But ultimately, when I don't want to obey, then I'm going to start throwing shade and find ways to push off responsibility and trying to dodge my, my responsibility to my Heavenly Father and then, of course, by proxy, we as representatives of God are being told by people who never read the Bible what Jesus says, which, by the way, never be intimidated by an ungodly person's interpretation of the Bible. They have no clue what they're talking about. Thank you, Ryan's getting a leg workout this morning. Uh, he, he missed Jim this week, so just if anybody else wants to join him, it's a great way right? For the next 24 minutes, just get your air squats in. You know what I mean? Uh, so the, uh, 
why do you think I stand up so much? Man, you, you ever hear me? I'm like, I'm relentless. I might as well just stay standing. You know, like at soccer games, I was thinking about this. You know at soccer games? They have like the full 90 section where you don't sit down the entire thing. They like actually seal your seat shut so you can't sit down. What if we had like a standing section? Me, Ryan, Travis. Uh, come on, Cynthia be in there. Pastor Alicia for sure. You know what I mean? I mean, we just do it. We just send it. Having like, you know, just. How's <laughs> uh, a joke, guys? Calm down. But also, let's get it. Let's get it. So, um, so what, is, what does God's word say? I want to explain this. I want to talk this out a little bit more in, in Matthew 7. And I want to talk about how to judge others biblically. Okay. Because this is for the benefit of people, not the harm of people, right? Which I'm going to talk a little bit about. But so how do we judge others biblically? I got points again. Things are getting wild. I don't know what's happening, but we got another four. Four points coming in hot. It's not a pattern yet because it's only happened twice. If this happens three times, start praying, okay? So, but number one, start with yourself. How do you judge others? Start with yourself. Literally, the story, the parable that Jesus goes right into after this judge not uh, scripture is the scripture about judging others, but first it's about self-reflection. So it says this, um, verse 3 of Matthew 7, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye. Well, all the time, there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. Jesus, just gentle. You know what I mean? Just, just kind Jesus, gentle and meet Jesus. You hypocrite. You, man, imagine if, like, preachers just, like, preach like Jesus did sometimes. You, like, just started saying stuff like that. Well, I guess that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Okay, so... You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. First, someone say first. Then you'll see clearly to remove the plank uh, or the speck from your brother's eye. Now, again, here's where Jesus could have said, why would you ever consider the speck of dust in anybody else's eye but your own? You stop being so judgy. That's what, that would have been his moment if he wanted you to never, ever say something is wrong in somebody else's life. That would have been the moment. But he doesn't say that. He just says, okay, here's how to judge correctly without being a hypocrite, without being, having the wrong motives. He says, first, remove the plank out of your own eye. Right? And that is such an important part, especially us as believers and especially as awakened believers, because we're engaged in culture and we're standing for truth and we're resisting the narratives. First, though, first, let's look at our own eyes, our own heart, our own life. What stuff in me do I need to deal with? Because I don't want to be found, you posting all the stuff that I hate about everything else in this world, and I'm sitting over here just judging as a hypocrite because I had all this drama in my own life that I refuse to deal with. Now, none of us are going to be perfect but before we have to have the moments where we're going to have to pass judgment on other things. But, but I cannot live in a hypocrite.
hypocritical way where I'm constantly telling everybody else what they're doing wrong and never looking at myself and saying, I need to change this. God, help me fix this. And, and actually, that's where David said, search me, God, and know my heart, right? Like, search me, God. Let that be a common prayer for us. Pastor Leanne, I think, recently was the one who was just talking about that, that passage and, and that prayer. What, a, what an important question and prayer to ask God, search me, search me, search me. And I think especially, like, I have, I have to navigate this because, again, if you follow me, you may have unfollowed me because I'm, I'm always, like, <laughs> challenging stuff. But if you did, that's okay. There's no judgment. I mean, there is. But... Um, Biblically, biblically, proper judgment. Uh, but, but the truth is I have to navigate my, myself as well in these seasons that I don't get so angsty <laughs> without going, okay, but what about me? What about me? What about me? What about me? What, what's, what areas are off? What do I need to deal with? First, take the plank out of your own eye. And usually isn't that the truth? Usually those who scream the loudest about everybody else's issues, usually they got the plank and they're just smacking everybody silly with it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just have no clue. Just spinning around, just hitting people, harming, injuring people with their issues. But when you talk to them about it, like, hey, so what do you see going on in life right now? Well, you know, everybody else. Like, do you have any thoughts about yourself? I'm good. As you're dodging the plank in the interview, in the conversation. So let's first start with ourselves. Amen? All right, number two here, how to judge others biblically is to purify your motives. Romans 1 verse 1, again in the Amplified says, Therefore, you have no excuse or justification. Every one of you who hypocritically judges and condemns others... For in passing judgment on another person, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge from a position of arrogance or self-righteousness are habitually practicing the very same thing which you denounce. Hello. (laughs) Just getting after it, okay? So I want to purify my motives. I think this is so important in this conversation. Am I going to speak truth? and condemn evil because I uh, love people or because I'm angry at them. It's a very important difference. But the Holy Spirit is the one who has to purify those motives because sometimes we can, ah, get like this. And with every, just the absolute insane garbage that the satanically charged media and marketers of businesses out there are trying to shove all the trans crap down the throat of our kids, whether that be Target, whether that be places like Starbucks, whether that be Adidas right now, whether that even be freaking Ford, Bud Light, just whatever it is, they're trying to shove this at us, right? Well, the, 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 in one sense, there is a righteous response that you want to like bring truth and freedom to people, but we got to be careful in this fight that we don't become like the enemy we're trying to fight. Because I want to love people. I want to see people get set free. And I've got to keep navigating that in my own heart. 
I've got to keep navigating those motives. I've got to keep, I've got to keep checking that, and it gets off. And I'm, you know, then you want to just post all the stuff, say all the things, get wild on people, and then you go, okay, calm down. Why? Why am I saying this? Why am I? What's the re, What's driving? What spirit am I of? Right. Even Peter reacted, you know, to something he thought was off with Jesus. Never. And Jesus, as Jesus says, you know, uh, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Ooh, that's not good. And, uh, and another time he says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Right? And I want to make sure that in my fight against the world, I don't become the world. Right? So I've got to... I've got to love people well. Even think about Jesus. Why did, why did he come to the earth? It wasn't because, uh, well, sin offends the holiness of God. God could have just wiped it, you know, forget it, new solar system, let's try again. You know, like, <laughs> he came because he loved us. He came to destroy the work of sin because he loved us, Right? Not because he hated sin as much as I believe he loved the sinner, right? And so we have to have that mindset when we are speaking the truth, when we are not being silent and we're going after certain things. God, purify my motives so that I can truly say that when I'm speaking up in culture and challenging the things that are coming at us in the world, I'm doing it genuinely from a place that I love people. And I don't want to see them... uh, bound up. I don't want to see them in the change that comes from many of these ideologies that are coming after them, right? You know, the, the world wants you to go, if you love people, then you're going to affirm how they feel, yeah. right? And so that is the narrative, like, oh, you, you hate people because you won't affirm how they feel, yeah. right? And the truth is that in our wrestle with going, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying it because I hate them. It's because you know, I'm trying to break that thing off of them that's keeping them bound. That's true. But I got to make sure that I, I navigate that because we have a loving Heavenly Father that sees all my issues too and sees all your issues. And he's not just smiting you every day like our sins deserve. He's showing us mercy as he develops us into the likeness of his son, right? And we need to have the same mindset for people around us that we're going to love them well. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, So purify your motives. And then number three, speak the truth. Okay? So as you walk out that process of searching your life first, purifying your motives and why you're speaking up, then you do need to begin to speak. You got to speak the truth. You got to say what's necessary. Ephesians 4.15 Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, right? So we speak, but why, why does it say speak the truth in love? So that we can become mature, so we can grow, so we can develop. If we are speaking the truth to destroy, to tear down uh, individual, obviously we're tearing down strongholds, but if we're speaking the truth just to kind of stick it to somebody, to win an argument, to, to tear them down, to win a boxing match with somebody. That's not why we speak the truth. We speak the truth in love because we want to see people mature. We want to see them grow. It's a little bit like with our children. 
We don't discipline or we shouldn't discipline just because we don't like that they're being annoying. Right? If a kid's annoying in a grocery store line or at home or wherever, now the instinct, if you're just agitated, you can want to just like discipline because you're the adult and you're stronger and you can assert your authority. But that is not, should not be the primary driver of discipline with a child. The primary driver is I love this kid too much to allow this little attitude to go unchecked. This has to get dealt with, or this will grow into a monster later on, right? So that is why we discipline, because we love. Not because, man, I'm just, now, we're all humans and we're parents, right? So, like, there's times where you're just like, you're just, you're annoying me. I just need you to stop, or, you know, you give them something real quick to quiet them. I mean, if you've done that, I've never been guilty ever of bad parenting, but some... Some people maybe have, um, but, you know, we, we, do, we, we don't do those things. Uh, we shouldn't discipline in the natural like that with our kids. And the same thing when I'm going after things in culture, I've got to do it because I love people, and I want to see them find freedom. Uh, John 10.10, 10, Jesus is speaking. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So I think of that verse, John 10.10, 10, as kind of my why do I speak up about things in culture? Because the devil is producing death and destruction in the world around me because of its truth, because of its lies, because of Satan's agenda on this culture. I don't want that. I want, I want this culture. I want my city. I want my nation to experience life and have it to the full. The only way for them to do that is for me to bring truth in the middle of the lies. The only thing that's going to bring clarity for confused people is truth. You, you don't like pander to somebody's confusion in hopes not to offend them. You can't do that. If we're worried about offending people, then it's, it's just not going to, we're not going to help anybody. You will offend people all the time if you speak the truth. And at the, if you do it well, if you truly speak truth in love and with the best heart and mind, then you're not responsible for how they respond to that truth. You are just responsible to be the one who brings the truth. There was a role called a watchman back in, in the day. And the watchman was responsible to warn the city of danger coming. If the watchman spoke up and the city did nothing, the watchman's blood was off of their hands. If, uh, however, the watchman saw danger coming and said nothing and then the city got messed with, then the watchman was in trouble. So I have got to make a decision that if I see my friends or family members or the world that's around me, just I see enemies attacking them. I see danger coming. I see things trying to mess with them and manipulate them. Then guess what? I'm going to make a decision that I've got to say something. I've got to bring truth to the chaos so that they can find hope and freedom. Now, the truth is a lot of times when you're first bringing truth to somebody, sometimes they are going to hate you for it. They will not be a big fan. They will unfollow you and block you. They will say all kinds of things about you. But if you truly delivered it in love because you love them enough to say something, 
that seed will be planted, that seed will begin to grow, and at some point, there is going to be a producing of fruit in that thing. If you maintain character, you maintain love for that person, you keep bringing truth in the situation, you're going to see most often a, a kind of a, a resurrection of that relationship where when they're at their lowest point, when they need truth, when they need uh, you know, hope and healing, they're going to go, okay, where was the last place I got clarity from? Because everyone's saying, all the confusion, just go with it. And you realize that's bringing me no hope. It's bringing me no peace. It's bringing me no life. It's producing death. It's stealing, killing, and destroying my life. So where, where, was, where was hope last? The amount of stories I've heard people say, man, you know, I, I thought everyone in my school hated me. And then 10 years later, 20 years later, they're reaching out going, hey, I'm going through it right now, and you're the only one I know that seems to have any answers to anything, right? But if we as Christians echo the same confusion of culture, they're not reaching out to us. They'd be like, well, yeah, they're just as confused as I am, so whatever. But the Bible actually provides great clarity, great truth about all the things that right now, like if you're a believer, they are crazy, that men can be women. I mean, this this is weird right now. Like, I, you feel like, are we in a Twilight Zone episode right now that we're going to wake up from at any moment? Because this is the most insane thing. Yeah, the confused world is just, yeah, that's true. And they're just, they're just stirring up the confusion, stirring up the lies, stirring up the deception, right? And... It takes people being courageous enough to say, you know what, I love people too much to just kind of laugh at this and move on, right? I love people enough where I got to say something. I got to bring truth in love. And I would say it like this true, truth is love. Truth is love, right? If you love people, you bring truth to them. Please do not pretend to love people while you pander their confusion. It's not love. That's hate. Fostering confusion is hate. Because you want to see them in bondage. You want to see them chained up. You want to see them uh, continuing in their pain and their dysfunction. That is hate. Why would, you, why would you leave somebody chained up when you could set them free? Right? You have the key. I have the key. We have the key. And it is the word of God. And it's not my opinions, right? It's not your opinions that are going to set people free. It's the truth. So, But the only way for us to then effectively bring the truth is i got to know the word of God really well. Because when we're in the social fights and the comment fights and the workplace cooler fights and the family table fights, it can be easy to start throwing Anger and agitation and my thoughts and my opinion. Let's, let's just let's stick to the word, okay? Because the word of God brings all the clarity we need to help people get set free. Amen? All right, last thing before we close is once we spoke the truth, then we need to walk it out. Walk it out with people. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, that is you who are responsive to the guidance of the spirit, are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, 
not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Man, what a, what a, what a beautiful scripture. But I just, I wanted to end with that thought because once we bring the truth and we challenge the lie and we're trying to help people, now we, we need to be committed to walk things out with people. We're not just out here just machine gunning truth. Yeah. Deal with that. But I think if we're honest, sometimes social media gets like that, right? We're just, ah. We just, we've just, we've let everybody have the truth. But let, let's, let's have more of a spirit that says, okay, I'm going to bring the truth, but like I'm checking on you because I care about you. And if there's any level of responsiveness when you deliver that truth, then just be committed to walk it out with people. Give me, and, and when somebody sins, you know, uh, and is off track and they repent, come on, restore people. Let's not hang past sins over people's heads. Let's not keep a record of wrongs like the Bible says. Come on, let's gladly restore people. I even said that during the season with pastors who were sadly very passive and very weak and didn't take any stand during the COVID lockdowns and everything that went on and all the other, you know, dramas. It could be easy if we're not careful to then, we have a list of all the churches and all the pastors who didn't do what we thought they should do. And so now they're forever blacklisted in our mind. And I just want to be the person who doesn't live like that to go, you know what, I'm disappointed they didn't take a stand, but guess what? There'll be more battles <laughs> and more opportunities to stand. And maybe you didn't get it right the first time. Maybe even as a business owner, maybe you felt like, shoot, I didn't stand like I could have. I kind of rolled over a little bit. I kind of played the same games everyone else was playing, and I just took off my mask when I came into Awaken so nobody would know. And uh, um, But you go, you know what, this second time around, I mean, I'm not saying there's going to be another time, but I'm saying the enemy's always trying to attack, okay? So when there's chances and the enemy will do everything he can to destroy and to lock down and to shut down and to do all this stuff, let's just make a decision you're going to rise in courage this time. You know what I mean? You're going to stand up with boldness this time. And I want to keep that grace for other people. We're going to store people uh, gently uh, because let's just keep reminding ourselves we don't get it all right either, right? Because that, that's, that's where we get really hypocritical and judgmental is when we forget our own sins. And we lose sight of the reality that I've been there and I've done that and God showed me grace. And so I'm going to keep extending grace. It's like my beautiful wife said in her, her uh, preach last week where she said, the exchange of Peter and Jesus where he says, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? I think Peter thought he was, you know, going big. Uh, was seven. And Jesus' response is basically Jesus is saying infinity. That's like what the interpretation of that idea is. 70 times seven is not really like, okay, get out your calculator, multiply 70 times seven, and then keep a tally of your husband or wife's wrongs. And you go, hey, you're 10 away. You are 10 away, sir. That's not it. That's how we do it. Jesus is saying infinity. Why? Because that's how Jesus works with us. Infinity. Grace. Mercy. Amen. 
Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. In the spirit of this, let's pray for our city. Let's pray for the confused world that's around us. Again, this message is not so we can all go out and go, all right, I'm ready to judge. And I got biblical proof for it. I hope, I hope it just reminds you, you know what? Being a Christian doesn't mean you don't speak against evil. It just means you got to do it righteously. You got to do it rightly from a right heart, from a right spirit, because you love people. For God so loved the world that he gave. He came out of a response of love for people. When we come and bring truth, when we come and bring correction, when we call out the evil in this world, it needs to be from that same spirit. God, help us. Come on, lift up your hands around the room. God, help us this morning. God, help us to to bring truth in love. Because you are the God of love. You are love. And you are truth. You bring us truth. You bring us love. And you restore. And you correct us so kindly. So God, I pray that in our uh, attacking of or speaking truth out or coming against principalities and powers and, and the lies of culture, that we would do it out of a spirit of loving people like you love people. You so loved. And so God, help us to take on that same spirit that we so love San Diego. That we so love Carlsbad. We so love Rancho Santa Fe. We so love Bressy Ranch. We so love Oceanside. We so love Encinitas. We so love La Costa. We so love this city and love this community that we will not be silent when we have the key to unlock people's life and life to the full. In Jesus' name, give us courage in love to bring the truth that our world needs. In Jesus' name, In Jesus' name. You know, just with our heads still bowed and eyes closed, I wanna ask a simple but really important question before we head out. And it's about your relationship with Jesus. You know, because of our sin, the Bible says that we're separated from God because of sin, right? And no amount of good works or hard efforts or trying better or trying to be better is going to bring us back to God. It's only when we receive the free gift of grace that Jesus gives, right? Many of us in this room have already received that gift. We have been saved. We have been forgiven. And the Bible says that our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. See, the ultimate list of entrance into heaven. But maybe there's one, maybe there's a few, maybe there's a bunch in this room. If you're honest, you're away from God. You don't have a close relationship with Him. You've never really received that grace that He gives Maybe you've been trying to be a good person, but you've never really received salvation that Jesus gives. And you know, today's your day. You want to respond to Christ. You want to give your life to him. You want to, you want to give, not, not just trying to be a better person, but you need him to take away your sin, to take away uh, your shame, and to give you life and life to the full. On the count of three, if you say, Samuel, that's me. I need to give my life to Christ. Maybe for the very first time or maybe in the past you did it or even as a young kid, but you're honest, you've been kind of running and 
Today's a, a, a day of kind of drawing a fresh line on the sand and saying, Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm all in. I give you my life. If that's you on the count of three, I just want you to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Just going to lift it up nice and high so I can know who I'm praying with. it up, wave at me, make sure I know who I'm praying with. Good. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yep. Awesome. Anybody else who say that's me? One more moment here. You need to surrender your life to Christ. Just lift up your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray uh, along with everyone who just raised their hands. And if you raise your hand or you're about to, Either way, if you just know like today's that day, you need to confess your sin and receive the grace of God. This is your moment. And we're all going to pray this together. But I want you to pray this, if, especially if this is your first time. Pray with boldness. Pray with conviction. Okay, So everyone say this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. Today, I choose to turn from my sin and follow Jesus with all my heart. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.